The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. I always do because it's the truth. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that we cover on many of our Game Changers series, very, very important, developing executive diversity. There I said it. Let me get started. The buzz on the street today is you like tomato, I like tomato, you say potato, I say potato. Anybody old enough to remember this? It was the lyrics from Let's Call the Whole Thing Off, written by George and Ira Gershwin and wonderful lyricist songwriters from the 1937 film Shall We Dance featuring Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Oh, be still my heart. Now let's let's parlay this into a business conversation. Many companies today pledge to evolve to a diverse workforce from the break room to the boardroom. Yes, it sounds good on paper, but what are they doing about it? Is it happening? Is it a dream, a pipe dream for the future? Is it a reality today? Well, many female workers today are looking for what may seem to be elusive. We used to call it work-life balance. Today, some people call it work-life integration. They're also looking for executive mentorship. Yes, they have aspirations. They want to break through, smash through that glass ceiling. I think it's still there. We know it is. And they want to aspire to leadership, but roadblocks remain. Now, we've all heard about the old boys club mentality. Well, it may be a thing of the past in most places, but some women with great leadership potential are either choosing or are being forced to drop out mid-career. What does this mean to younger women on their way up? It means there is a mentorship gap for new leaders who will talk to them, who will encourage them, who will inspire them, who will help them get there from experience to experience. So let's turn the mirror on your company, those of you out there listening around the world to us here on the Business Channel. How close is your company really and truly to achieving workforce diversity that is real, that is palpable, that is here today, and that is sustainable into the future? We have a wonderful panel of three experts. They are all women. They are all invested in this topic. It matters to them deeply, and I know it will to you. Let me just tell you who's on the panel. First up, we're going to be welcoming Shannon Platts at SAP. We're going to be welcoming Maria Hagen, who, by the way, was chosen out of 14,000 applicants for SAP Sales Academy program and Janice Fratimico at SAP. I'll give you more about their titles a little bit later. But let's start off with a quote Shannon Platts has sent to us from a gentleman named Kenny Ausubel. I didn't know who he was. A-U-S-U-B-E-L. He's an award-winning social entrepreneur. 
an author, a journalist, and a filmmaker, and he's the co-founder and CEO of a company called Bioneers, B-I-O-N-E-E-R-S. What is this all about? When he was 19 years old, Kenny Ausubel woke up one morning paralyzed on the left side of his body. He couldn't see straight. He couldn't swallow. Doctor after doctor after doctor. It looked like a stroke, but what was it? He explored alternative medicine. Why not? And found out he was exposed to the chemical dioxin. So he was lucky to be alive and wanted to give back. So he and his wife founded a company called Bioneers to make the public aware of viable solutions to environmental and social problems. I'll leave it there. Here is the wonderful quote Shannon has selected. Each of us has a spark of life inside us, and our highest endeavor ought to be set ought to be to set off that spark in one another. Shannon Platts, welcome to Game Changers Radio. How are you today, Shannon? I'm well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I want you to tell everybody your title. I don't have it here in my notes, so what do you do? So my title is Global Vice President of Portfolio Solutions through channel expansion. Really fancy title for That's a sales big business card. <laughs> okay. So Shannon, tell me, are you a big fan, follower, uh, aspirer to the life of Kenny Ausubel? And how did you pick this quote? And how does it relate to our topic, developing executive diversity? Shannon? Thank you, Bonnie. I do find his story interesting and uh, particularly relevant to this topic of diversity because Kenny focuses on the idea of interconnectedness, and I believe there's probably nothing more uh, relevant to us today in terms of interconnectedness within our organizations than bringing diversity uh, into our organizations and realizing, uh, first and foremost, that different perspectives make us stronger. So that's um, uh, very important, and I think Kenny's observed this through biomedical and and uh, healthcare and different um, facets of bringing this to life for others. But I think through through our conversation today, I think it's relevant, again, for diversity, but it's also so important for us um, as women and developing the future executives of our a female executive population. We have to understand that it's our responsibility to really bring this thought of interconnectedness to mentorship and in particular. And I think we... Um, we get stronger by realizing our success and other success are so interconnected. So I found this, uh, this quote to be particularly powerful and relevant through, through our lens of discussion today. Thank you very much, Shannon. Pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to meet you. Uh, any uh, quick comments? We're going to be talking to the millennial. She may even be younger than that on our panel in just a moment, Maria Hagen. But any thoughts <laughs> about does this matter especially, I won't say more, especially to millennial women today who are coming into the workforce, hopefully with sparkling eyes and bright aspirations, and they want to change the world. And are they seeing that ceiling glass or granite or quartz or otherwise and saying, oh, crap, it's still there. Do you think there's an aha moment for young women today in the workforce? Yes, Bonnie. I think this is quite relevant for the millennials. I think that first and foremost, um, We've worked, I have, I, I personally have a 20 and an 18 year old, and I see their focus on working together and in a collaborative setting more valuable and more um, personally rewarding to them. They are very focused millennials on how they impact the world. 
how they live in the world. And that is, you know, the work setting is just one of those elements. Um, we also, they invest in one another. They um, are really strong team players from the get-go. And I think that, that from a millennial workforce perspective, I see us having um, really stronger employees, stronger participants in our organizations coming into the workforce where they are, while they're technologically savvy, they are absolutely driven to make a difference in this world. And making a difference drives them to know that they can't just do that by being in an individual setting. Really um, investing in one another, investing in causes and things they're passionate about is something that we have to learn how to really take forward and and use it uh, in in our organization, specifically in business, um, to really expand the opportunities we have. We have a great population coming from the millennial workforce. I think it's one that's quite talented and also quite ready to um, to participate in life with each other in a very um, in a very positive way. Thank you, Shannon. Great perspective, and that's a perfect introduction for me to bring on board Maria Hagen. By the way, if you're looking for her online on LinkedIn or elsewhere, her last name is spelled H-A-G-G-E-N. She's an account executive at SAP as well as a small business owner. She's a mover and shaker. As I mentioned, she was chosen out of 14,000. That's right. I didn't say 14. I didn't say 140. I said 14,000 applicants for SAP Sales Academy program, and Maria is in the top 1% of early talent at SAP. SAP, certainly somebody in her own right who is to be watched and followed and and listened to now and in the future. And Maria has selected a quote, a wonderful quote from Albert Einstein. You all know Einstein was a German-born theoretical physicist who is often shown with his crazy wild hair, probably very much in fashion today, standing at a blackboard (laughs) writing his famous E equals MC squared equation, which is one of the most famous equations in the world, the equivalence of energy and mass where energy is a physical system, M is the mass of the system, and C is the speed of light in a vacuum. Wow. So here's the quote Maria has selected. Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. And I think we can expand this, Maria, to man, to woman, to person of success, to become a person of value. Maria Hagen, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for having me here today. We are delighted. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Albert Einstein? And what do you think about that hair? Oh, yes, definitely. Not very um, not very a fan of his fashion style, definitely, or him, him not wearing socks. <laughs> but, um, but I am definitely a fan of him. Um, Albert Einstein was a curious man. Um, he persevered all the time. He was very... Um, even though he did create the general theory of relativity, which was the E equals MC squared, that didn't happen in one day. He had to do that over the years, and he really was um, a man that persevered and had a lot of drive. He also was a man that focused um, on the present. Um, and this quote actually um, is very relevant to the topic for us today because, first of all, everyone measures success in a different way. So for some people... Um, measuring success may be, may be <clears throat> raising healthy and happy children or maybe having a meaningful relationship or writing a book, loving a career, or earning X amount of money or maybe even buying a house. But those 
success are mainly the things that you receive. Now, as far as this quote, um, he also talks about value, which it's the things that you can give back and you creating value. So as far as the millennials now, we are definitely a generation that can provide value <clears throat> to other generations. Like, for example, we can provide our time, our talent, our tech savvy, like Shannon mentioned, um, the support and even mentorship within, within any organization. So pretty much value are those people that can be uh, trustworthy, that can really revolutionize an industry, and we should definitely focus on this instead of just uh, the achievements because if you become a man of value, you will ultimately achieve a successful life as well. I love that. Coming from someone so young, may I ask your age, Maria? I know you don't usually, you're not supposed to ask a woman her age, but you're very young. Do you mind sharing your age with us? Yes, definitely. So I'm 22 years old. Oh, my goodness. Now, I have an important <laughs> question for you. It looks to me, I met you briefly on a prep call yesterday. I've looked at your bio and, and all of the accolades and your high energy, your commitment, your dedication, your focus. Are you mentoring other young people who may even be a little bit older than you? Because I see leadership written all over everything you do, Maria. So do people consider you somebody they would like to have mentored them already? Yes, definitely. So when I was back in college, I did participate in many organizations and uh, leadership roles within them. So I, we used to go out to high school students and help them um, build a resume or even interviewing skills or presentation skills. Now, as far as now, um, now that I'm part of the Sales Academy here within SAP, they do teach us a lot about the, the creation of value and how can we create value for our specific teams. So something that I've been focusing on is even though I've only been in SAP now for about three months and I may not know the ropes and everything within the, the organization, there are things that I may have learned in the past and within other organizations that I can provide. For example, um, I've done social audits for some of my teams, which is um, the importance, teaching them the importance of social selling, especially now that us as millennials, for us, technology is very important and um, using Twitter and using LinkedIn and how that can help our business grow as well. So definitely I do think that um, leadership comes at any age. And, um, yeah, so definitely. Thank you. Wise beyond your years. Such a pleasure to have you on the show, Maria. And I hope a lot of Thank people you, are listening and learning from you as well as your colleagues on the panel. We've already met Shannon Platts, and now it's time to introduce Janice Fratamico, a senior director at SAP. Janice has selected a wonderful quote. It's famous. It has been in the news recently. Apologized for by the source of the quote, not for the words, but for perhaps the wrong context, but certainly she isn't taking the words back. It's Madeleine Albright, former U.S. Secretary of State. Her full name is Madeleine Jana Corbell Albright. She is a Czechoslovakian-born American politician and diplomat, the first woman to be U.S. Secretary of State. Interestingly enough, she was nominated by President Bill Clinton in December 1996. She was unanimously confirmed by a U.S. Senate vote of 99 to 0. I don't know if that has ever happened. She was sworn in on January 23, 1997. She has a Ph.D. from Columbia. She has honorary degrees. She won the Presidential Medal of 
Freedom, was awarded by President Obama in 2012. She serves on the Board of Directors of the Council of Foreign Relations. She speaks English, French, Russian, Czech, and reads Polish and Serbo-Croatian. I think she's a Renaissance woman. Here is the quote Janice has selected from Madeleine Albright. I think all of you who are alive today will recognize this one. There's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. Janice, how could you? <laughs> well, first, let me say, if Madeleine Albright had ever shown up with hair like Albert Einstein's, she would have been carted away, locked up, and heavily medicated. So I think that's a good that's a good uh, analogy to the challenges that women face in the workplace, right? I love it. I love it. And today where we're looking at a possible, we have one uh, presumed candidate for office who would be the first woman who has a squeaking chance of getting it, possibly a double woman ticket. It's It's just amazing where we've come. But I just have to mention, Janice, that Madeleine Albright recently apologized for the remark, Mm -hmm. not for the words, but she said it was the wrong context and the wrong time. She was campaigning for Hillary Clinton, and the phrase came out, and she said, I didn't mean to argue that women should support a candidate based solely on gender, but I understand that I came across as condemning those who disagree with my political preferences. So she's smart enough to know when she needs to clarify the context. I think that's a, a mark of a leader. So Janice, talk to me. You picked the quote. How does it relate? to our topic on developing executive diversity. Well, I like the quote for a couple of reasons. I mean, the first and foremost being that it's, I think it's true. And I think women need to be reminded of that because we often can take a competitive stance. And I think that's because there is a lack of diversity that you talk about. So, you know, in seeing a responsibility to bring up other women and to help other women, it reminds us of, you know, this, the, the idea that there is safety in numbers and there's a benefit to having a representative uh, leadership, representative boards, representative everything that reflects the workforce and reflects the communities that we're a part of. So I like it because it reminds us uh, of a responsibility. And I also liked it because, um, because of the context, because it had been used recently with a little bit of controversy. And, um, and you know, the, the context when she first said it was, about our responsibility to support people who are coming up behind us. But, you know, obviously to suggest that that means that women should only vote for women because they're women was doing a disservice probably to, um, to, the, to the people who were supporting Bernie Sanders at the time and to Hillary Clinton's own, like, legitimate qualifications. So I thought it was, I thought it was a great quote because of, of the, uh, the current nature of it and the fact that it was in the news. Thank you very much. Yes, it was there for the grabbing. Grab from the headlines, right, Janice? <laughs> yeah, I took the easy way. There, no, it was. It's, it's an interesting quote. Very, very tough. So now it's time for me to give the three of you a little bit of a break. But before we go, I want to find out a little personal information. Shannon Platts, where are you calling from? What do you love to drink? And the title of this segment is What's in Your Cup Today? Or if there's nothing really interesting in front of you while you're with us live on the radio, Shannon, what are you planning to drink later? Talk to me. Thank you, Bonnie. So I'm calling from Dallas, Texas today, and uh, this time of year it's incredibly warm um, in this part of the uh, country, so I start out my morning with a little bit of caffeine, so we're, we're drinking coffee, but I will be transitioning quickly to uh, iced tea, my favorite drink um, any, day of, any day of the year, summer or winter, so thank you. Mm-hmm. 
Now tell me, Shannon, is there a flavor to that iced tea? Is it mint iced tea? Is it regular black iced tea? Pico iced tea? Is it? Is it have? Does it have a, a basic flavor of something uh, like Earl Grey or Lady Grey or any any color? Any color? <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of tea is it? Well, I'll start out by saying I've never met a particular flavor of tea that I didn't enjoy. Ah. Um, today it's lemon flavored and uh, with a little bit of sweet in it. So um, we're going to go with the traditional southern uh, uh, type of tea that most people think of when they think of the south. But uh, I've been all over the world, and that is one thing I've enjoyed so much is really stepping into the culture of each of the, the different um, locations and, and enjoying all the different tea offerings we have out there, um, whether it's in India, whether it's in Europe. It just seems to be one of those... Um, those things we all enjoy at some point uh, in our lives, regardless of uh, our geographic location. Thank you. Very interesting. I loved your remark about stepping into the culture when you travel. Very, uh, It's uh, worldwide. I appreciate that, Shannon. Thank you. And Maria Hagen, where are you calling from? And what are you drinking to power that young leadership in you? <laughs> yes, Bonnie. So I'm calling from Chicago. Um so before I actually tell you what I'm drinking, I'm going to take you through a typical morning for a millennial. So, so a lot of us do actually wake up early, even though many people don't believe so. <laughs> um, we often forget to have breakfast. Our average wake-up is at 6.30 a.m., and then we hit snooze and snooze and snooze until we wake up. And then we check our social medias and our email most of the time from our bed. So my drink would be a fresh fruit smoothie. I am not a typical coffee drinker. Um, I like smoothies because um, usually what I do is that I freeze the fruits that I buy. I put them on my freezer, and then obviously they're good, they're natural. Um, They provide me energy. They're very healthy. A good thing is that many times, I, since I mentioned, I may not have time to have breakfast. I can take it on the go. And... Smoothies are also good for sports. I am into sports as well. Sometimes I mix them with proteins. Um, Before, I actually used to be a swimmer. Um, Smoothies are great for weight loss, for even as a meal replacement, and you can add some vegetables within them. So I think that smoothies now are something that's in for a lot of millennials. I actually found um, some stats that say that 50% of consumers that are the ages 25 to 34, demonstrate engagement in all of these um, beverages, especially smoothies, because as mentioned, they're good for sports, for weight loss, as well as any meal replacement. Thank you very much. You've inspired me. By the way, I think you just branded me as an old millennial because I read the news and all kinds of things happening around the world on my iPad before I get out of bed every morning before I tackle the Game Changers radio shows of the day. So I think I just moved down the age scale tremendously. (laughs) I I have a smoothie. It doesn't have protein in it, but it's typically uh, 1% milk, maybe a little bit of ice cream if I feel like cheating. Good ice cream. Why bother with with the chunky? stuff or the fake stuff, um, a little bit of agave syrup and half a banana and maybe an ice cube and it is delicious. So that's my version of a smoothie. I like yours better, Maria. I'm going to try it tomorrow. And Janice Frantamico, where are you calling from and what are you drinking today? I am calling from Newtown Square, Pennsylvania, just outside Philly. I start mm-hmm. the day with a cup of tea and I end it with wine or a martini. Ooh, what kind of wine? What's your favorite? 
Oh, always red. Always red. Uh, we're talking Merlot. We're talking about um, what are we? What I don't are we talking? have a very discriminating taste. I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> so when you go into a restaurant, you say, "What's what red do you have?" And he rattles off four names. Okay, I'll take the first one. Just, That's it. Yeah, I just pick a different one every time. It's really. <laughs> She's a woman of the red world. Thank you very much. I have to say that Dave Fowler at SAP, David S. Fowler to be exact, is listening in his car. He is on the way driving to in Michigan to go on a 30-mile backpacking trek, and he told me in advance that he is going to be drinking Starbucks Colombian in his camping cup with Nido NIDO powdered whole milk. So Dave Fowler, wherever you are, I hope you're listening and enjoying. I don't know what device, what mobile device you've got, but we are having a good time here on Game Changers Radio with Shannon Platts, Maria Hagen, and Janice Frantamico. And by the way, ladies, right now, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, and this is another double radio show day. So all I'm drinking at the moment is cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a yellow straw because it's very hot here in New York. Probably is where <laughs> you are too, Janice, I'm guessing, in, in near Philly. And I'm hoping the sun stays out, but I'm hoping it cools down a little bit later on. We're in for a heat wave. So I'm just going to say to all of you, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We will be right back. What a great topic, developing executive diversity. It certainly is broader than just the gender issues we're discussing today, but that is a big part of it. And I have a feeling my panelists are going to be able to permutate or extrapolate from talking about women who need mentorship, leadership, inspiration, opportunities to anybody who is quote-unquote different in the workforce who needs more opportunities to succeed. So we'll try to broaden the discussion on executive diversity. So, I already told you the drill. Don't go away. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business simplification, insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, business networks and supply chains, and the ever-present need for speed are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. The Future of Business with Game Changers is presented by SAP Services. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to The Future of Business with Game Changers. The Future of Business starts right now here. My special panelists today are Shannon Platts, 
P-L-A-T-Z, if you want to look her up, Maria Hagen, H-A-G-G-E-N. And I sit corrected. Our third panelist is Janice Fratamico, F-R-A-T-A-M-I-C-O. Janice has friends listening, and they're texting her frantically saying, there's no N in Fratamico. So Bonnie sits corrected. Janice, Janice, I apologize. I really strive to get my panelist names right. So there you go. Janice Fratamico, we have it correct now. We're going to start the roundtable. I hear Janice smiling, and I hope her friend is smiling, too. What's your friend's name? Janice, by the way. Who's your friend? My, my friend's name is Kelly. Kelly. Shout out to Kelly from Future of Business with Game Changers Radio. Thank you for listening, Kelly, and thank you for being so astute and for your comment. Now you can leave Janice alone. She needs to talk on the radio. Shannon Platts, we're, we're, lo- we're looking at your notes here, Shannon. Let's talk. Let's start our roundtable. Shannon says, diversity is a critical success factor for all organizations. And then three no-nos. She says, we cannot understand the perspective of our customers if we don't have diversity in our organizations. That's one no-no. Number two, we cannot attract and retain great talent if we don't respect diversity in our own employees. And no-no number three, we cannot respond and grow our product and service innovations if we don't understand the opportunities within diverse markets. Shannon, you hit three great perspectives here. So why don't you take this and expand it, and then we will invite Maria and Janice Fratimico to chime in. Go ahead, Shannon. Well, first of all, um, thank you, and uh, I'd like to kind of hone in on the first topic, which is understanding the perspectives of our customers. I, I think that one thing I recognize in dealing on a global level within my role is that diversity is not just about cultural diversity. It's about gender diversity. It's about lifestyle diversity, and really appreciating and understanding where our customers are coming from when they convey requirements or try to engage with us as a business or an organization. Um, To really put ourselves in the customer's shoes means that we not only have to be empathetic, but we have to understand the, the multifaceted nature of our customer base. Then we're able to bring solutions and answers and relationships to the table that create that value and and that they respond to and they know that we're going to be looking out and participating in their best interest. And, and we all, um, as human beings, care that others are caring about our needs and our customers are no different in that regard. So, again, that diversity and the different dimensions of diversity um, really play a strong role there. Uh, I am a huge proponent of employee um, success. I, uh, from the early age of being in leadership positions and in uh, working in businesses and different organizations, I've always had a heart for the employee. And I believe the employee's relationship and the employee's experience within any given organization plays out in the way they treat others, in the way they treat the customers, in the way that they feel about the organization. And I believe that appreciating a diverse workforce is something that we have to do, um, not just from a hiring practice standpoint, but from a collaboration and a solution development and a leadership growth and expansion perspective. So attracting the talent is one thing, and creating that initial diversity is is just part of the formula. We have to retain that great talent over time. We do that by understanding 
and providing opportunity to a diverse workforce and appreciating all dimensions and aspects of our our employees' makeup and their backgrounds. Um, Finally, as a business person, and this is where I've spent my career is in the business world, is I don't believe we can expand our businesses and grow our businesses successfully if we're not looking for new market opportunities. And what better place for new market opportunities than really understanding new cultural dimensions in our uh, customer base or our client base, understanding the trends and changes in taste and in, and in uh, cultural and gender influence. You know, one of the things that shocks me today, and, and I love this, is that we have more women making the financial decisions in their own households than we've ever had before. We have more women graduating than ever before. In fact, they are the majority of college graduates. So now we're seeing trends happen. We have more ethnic diversity in our workforce than we've ever had before. We have to honor that and appreciate it for the business opportunity it presents us. But we can't respond to the desires of those particular demographics and grow our markets if we aren't truly looking at where the the desires and the opportunities are within this diverse market. So I think creating a culture where differences are valued is not just a social responsibility, and I do feel strongly that it is, but I think it is something that has to be done at all levels of the organization, and it has to be done in all functions. And when I say all functions, I mean we don't want to just see women leaders in traditional functional areas. I think this is something that Diversity, whether it is, again, gender diversity, whether it is ethnic diversity, we need to see all functions embracing diversity um, with their whole hearts, and they need to be promoting diversity in their ranks. And so all levels and all functions have a responsibility of doing that. Thank you, Shannon. Great perspective and start to our formal roundtable. Maria Hagan, love to have you comment on anything or everything that Shannon just shared. Go ahead, Maria. Yes, definitely, Bonnie. I definitely agree with Shannon. Um, diversity is extremely important, especially now. I think that um, diversity brings diverse viewpoints to to any organization, and it really makes most business decisions better because we have women now in leadership roles as well as men. And as millennials, we view diversity not only as a race or gender, but also, as Shannon mentioned, um, as the backgrounds that a person can, can have. So currently, for example, I'm within the SAP Sales Academy. They send us over to different rotations, and I'm currently working with 89 different um, students where they're from 22 different countries, from China, from Germany, from all different parts of the world. And here we're placed for three months in a diverse environment where we learn from each other, where we um, help each other, and we are a team. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different work um, structures. And and that is very impressive how that could change a business. Um, a business. Um, as a millennial, I could say, and as a woman, I could say that we also need strong leadership women 
to provide us as millennials good constructive feedback in the things that we do because um, many times we might think, oh, yeah, we're doing it right, or, yes, we're tech-savvy, but they are the ones that come with the experience, and they're the ones that will provide us that support, and they'll become our champions in taking us to the next level. Uh, yeah, so that's my view. Thank you. Maria, I appreciate that. Did you say you're working with students or interns from 22 countries? I want to get that number right. Was that correct? Yes. So the, the SAP Sales Academy is composed currently of 89 different millennials that, are, that come together in one place from 22 different countries. So we're talking about South America, Brazil, Mexico, um, Germany, China, all these places, and we are in a rotational rotational program where every month or so we go and we meet each other and we work together with each other, we present together, we um, do team working activities together, and it's completely different than when I'm just working with American um, students. So it's it's very interesting how how diverse now the corporate world is becoming. Thank you very much, Maria. Great perspective. Janice Fratamico. What do you think? A lot on the table here. Talk to us. Well, yeah. I'm trying to get it out in a quick soundbite for you here. Um, Don't rush. Don't rush. Take your time. (laughs) (laughs) I've got my timer set. Um, I think diverse, you know, it, it's a fact that the more diverse a company is, the more successful a company is. And that there's been a lot of studies to prove that out. Um, it's why I'm passionate about a lot of programs that companies like SAP and a lot of other companies are doing to bring women back to the workforce. So, you know, showing women that there's a, they have a choice and that, you know, they're valued after they take time off, if they do take time off to care for a family or to build a family or take care of their parents and then bring them back into the workforce into the workforce with a richness of a different kind of experience so that they can add value, they can add an additional element of diversity. So I think, you know, there's a lot of companies that are really embracing programs that they're calling returnships instead of internships and bringing, you know, women back. They've had their families. They're at a certain age where they don't require, you know, they're not required to be home with their kids all day. And they can come back and bring a different set of experiences back into the workforce, and I think it just makes us all better for it. What wow. returnships? Tell me more about that. That's a new term for us. Yeah, it, it's something I'm, I'm really try, very passionate about and trying to champion here at SAP. And it was a friend of mine who actually talked to me about it. And she's somebody who had taken time off to be with her children. Um, there's a lot of articles if you if you Google. And this isn't this is it's very interesting if you actually Google. You know. Why I regret being a stay-at-home mom, there's been articles in the Huffington Post and in Forbes just in the last couple of years about women who have chosen to take themselves out of the workplace to raise their families and have some regrets. And, you know, it's not all women. I think some women are very comfortable with that decision. But a lot of women look and say, okay, my kids are in school full-time now. What do I do? Like, what's my value? I want to go, you know, I have this degree. I've been using my driver's license more than my degree. And I want to set a different example. And, um... And I want diversity in my life, right? A lot of stay-at-home moms don't have a whole lot of diversity in their life, and they want to bring that back into their world. And so the idea of a returnship is to bring a woman back in to a company and doing similar work to an intern, but reflecting the fact that they've had experience. A lot of them have had executive experience. They come with a different set of um, 
you know, skills and a different set of, of values and experiences and, and just learnings from their time at home. And I think it just adds another, an additional element of diversity to our workforce, and it really gives a group of people a, a chance to add a lot of value back into uh, corporate America. Thank you, Janice. I did Google. I warned you I do that on occasion. I Googled Returnship, and I came up with the following very interesting quick hits here on Google. Returnship program at Goldman Sachs, the case for creating a reentrance program. To uh, this is for MetLife. It's in Fast Company was an article. FastCompany.com. Mm-hmm. Returnships, women returners for business. That's just womenreturners.com. Corp.womenreturners.com. Returnships, Huffington Post. That's the one you mentioned. If you think deepening wrinkles, the need for a more flexible schedule due to multiple kids at home and a large resume gap because of raising kids. Blah blah blah. I'll let you read that one. Returnships mm-hmm. for older workers. This is on CNBC.com. Proceed. That's with- like the Robert- I know. The ultimate guide to adult internships and returnships. Here's one from the Chicago Tribune, February 27th this year. Resume gap, corporate returnships for career breakers. Why a returnship is a bad idea. This is (laughs) workingmother.com. We love love diversity of opinions, don't we, Janice Fratamico? Absolutely. the forty-year-old intern, Harvard Business Review. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Those are some really good ones. So anybody who is curious about that, Janice, we love when we hear new ideas and new terminology. That's always very exciting. Thank you, Shannon Platts. I'm going to quickly return to you and ask you if you have any comments about what Maria and Janice added to your topic. Sure. First of all, I think um, one of the great things that uh, Maria brought up was the fact that it is. Um, it is important that any female executive who has had a journey and really um, had experiences invest in younger women. The the value of experience, there's just no replacement for that. And um, one of the most important things about mentorship is when someone is open to being mentored and uh, the responsibility being there. So, Maria, um, opening that case up for um us as older women who've been in the workforce for a longer period of time, making it a priority <clears throat> to mentor women is um, is something I, I really valued from her comments. And then having been um, someone who has gone through a variety of different stages of life, um, you know, Janice brings up some great comments about the the decisions that that females make and the. Uh, throughout their working careers, and, and some of those decisions are of our own making. Some of those decisions, you know, are based on um, things that are just happening in life. But knowing that we can um, we can look at different options for us, and and look at the fact that one thing I am a huge proponent of is we must know and live by our priorities. And I think those mm-hmm. that is a critical element to understanding that there are seasons to our lives. There are seasons to our work. There are seasons to our personal lives. There are seasons to our own desires and what we are seeking out of, uh, out of our work experiences and out of a personal life. We evolve and change. We need to understand we evolve and change. We need to also uh, embrace and live by those priorities. I think at the end of the day it helps when we see programs like Janice mentioned. I love hearing about those. I also want women to understand that, you know, embracing 
your priorities and making those the filter for your decisions. They're, you're not going to go wrong in that. And as that drives our, our leadership opportunities, as it drives the decisions we make in business, I think that is, um, that is something we can share in our mentorship uh, relationships, but it's also things that we can take and make us stronger in our uh, leadership roles and also in our comfort level with what we with our life choices and what we're making there. Thank you very much, Shannon. I'm going to turn to some remarks here in Maria Hagen's notes. Maria, here's one that I I like particularly because I asked you very early in the show about whether you were already a mentor. You're in your early 20s, and you told me in your notes that one of your favorite quotes is, everyone is a teacher, everyone is a student. Why don't you explain that a little bit to us in terms of diversity and developing diversity in the boardroom, let's just put it that way. Maria? Yes, of course. Um, so what I meant, that, that is a, a mantra that is going now in, within SAP. And as mentioned in the beginning, as a millennial, you can also be a mentor to other, other students or even add value to your team. And that is something that we can focus on. But something that really interested me from what Shannon mentioned was the stages of life. And, and the season. So that's something that many times I've asked myself. I'm like, wow, how am I going to um, excel in my professional career as well as become a wife and have, be a mother and, you know, be a sister and all these things. And I think that especially now that's becoming, that's becoming more available for um, women and just in general, just everyone because work the workforce has become a lot more flexible. For example, now we're able to work from from our houses since we have so much technology and we can just use a laptop. And that is really, really important, especially for millennials, the part of flexibility, because we are the the generation that is going to be that it's going to be getting married next and that is going to having that is going to have babies next and that is going to have all these things that other generations have already established and maybe their kids are already young adults. So for us that part of flexibility and the part of work life balance is very important. And and that is very interesting that Shannon mentioned the the seasons of life because that's that's a question that I think me as a woman and I think many millennial women out there probably ask themselves how can I balance all these things and when is the right time to choose my career over my family or the other way around? So as far as that, that's what I think as well as being a mentor. Um, I think that today there's a lot of young women and a lot of women in general that we are naturally usually great communicators and great networkers and we are usually the ones to build relationships because that's just a natural thing within us. We are nurturers. And and that is also part of the diverse environment that we're having within corporations. Thank you, Maria. Very interesting. And I have a question for you. I mentioned in my opening talking about work-life balance uh, in a, uh, a, a learning session, I think hosted by HR at SAP about two years ago, I was introduced to the term, which I mentioned in my monologue, it's not work-life balance, it's work-life integration because balance in the sense of 
equal on each side is impossible today. So quickly, what's your perspective, Maria? Is it integration where you're going to work, you're going to have your life, you've got to put the two together in a livable fashion that works for you, your family, your community, whoever you're, whatever you're a part of versus aspiring to balance, which is never going to happen. Quick thoughts on that, Maria? Yes, um, I think that that's something that I'm still working on now. As I mentioned, I always like to hear what other women have to say and how they've come along to either choose to leave their career and now sacrifice their 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 life pretty much for their kids. Um, but I think before I used to say, no, I'm just gonna I'm gonna work and my kids are gonna. I mean, I'm going to leave them with someone or I'm going to come back and I'm, I want to be that power woman because as powerful woman, we tend to say, no, I also, I want to keep going with my career and this is what I want to do. But as Shannon mentioned, I think that there comes a time in our life that we have to let go of certain things in order to sacrifice and to do other things. And that flexibility um, will come if you end up working from home or things like that, but but I think, as mentioned, work-life balance, you say it's never going to, it's not going to happen, but it's something that you have to decide. So you have to make a decision in your life. Your priorities, I think Shannon mentioned that. Janice Fratamico, love to get your position mm-hmm. on any of the above. What do you think about balance versus integration and young people becoming students and teachers? Thoughts, Janice? Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting to note the fact that we've been talking about work-life balance and the idea for years, and it's still mm-hmm. a hot topic. Um, I, I, the one thing that I really strongly believe is those of us who are like my age, more mature workers who who have never taken themselves out of the workplace, need to set realistic expectations for each other and for the people that are coming behind us, and that's that you're going to stink at something at any given time. Like, you're going to fail. You're going to have a moment where you fail at work, and you're going to have a moment where you fail at home. You're going to have lots of moments. And we've got to make sure that we're projecting a realistic picture so that people don't aspire to something that they can never achieve and therefore feel like they're failing. And I think that that's a responsibility that we have. Social media has made it worse. I mean, I don't put, you know, when I'm stressed out about work and I scream at my kids, that's not on Facebook. It's the pretty picture of us going to a wedding instead, you know. The realistic, the, the reality of my life is I scream at my kids when I'm stressed at work and I'm bad at work when I'm trying to balance something happening at home. And I think we just owe each other some honesty around that so that the expectations that we set for ourselves, for our peers, and for the people coming up for, behind us, they can achieve because they know that it's at any given time it's okay to be sucking at something. And we, I think that that's just, that's just kind of the new benchmark that we've got to establish and accept and be comfortable with. Thank you very much, Janice. Shannon, I can give you just 30 seconds to comment on all this because I want to be able to quickly, we're already in our predictions round, but I want to quickly pick up one point here from Janice's notes. So, Shannon, any comments on balance, balance versus integration, teachers versus learners, or all of the above? I absolutely believe in the, the concept of integrated lives. Um, I think that Janice makes great points about being honest about every day we wake up and we strive to do the best we can in the roles we're in. Some days we're going to succeed in certain aspects of our lives more than we're going to succeed in others. But I think also understanding your priorities, understanding that you are 
a multifaceted person allows you to embrace all the demands that are on you, and it doesn't mean it's easy. I don't want to put anybody thoughts into, you know, these things are just naturally happen and we naturally um, make these choices easily. I want everybody to, to really understand that it is about waking up, doing the best you can at the multiple demands on your life, the multiple opportunities that present themselves, and then leaving guilt and, and, and blame behind because we are all striving to do the very best we can. And those worthless emotions can sometimes uh, make us feel less than adequate and less than successful in various aspects of our lives. Leave those things behind. Thank you, Shannon. Good advice. And Janice, we've got to pick up one more here, and I'm just going to have time for you to comment, but this is a very important one. You say there is a need to have at least 30% of a company's board, directors, or leadership made up of women. At present, the statistic is only 19.9%. Well, that's two-thirds of the way there. Why is it not enough? Janice, talk to me. Well, it's only up from 19.2% the year before, so we're not oh. making we're not making crawling as quickly as we have to. But, I mean, you know, the point is that we've got to improve that number so that boards reflect gender, racial, ethnic diversity of the workforce that it represents. And the other thing is, you know, you can't have a single token woman. That person is alone, therefore, in her opinion, and, and un, less likely to be able to, 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 to verbalize it in a group of men when you have two. Like I said, sometimes they're still outnumbered, but they can be also in a competitive situation or feel that they are. But when you've got more than two, then you've got a coalition and you've got a group of people who are comfortable in reflecting their diversity of of opinion, their diversity of thought, and therefore able to better influence the leadership of a company. And the 30% Club is something that um, started in England. It's now over here in the U.S. My old boss from Bloomberg is, uh, uh, I think, leading that charge, Peter Grauer. And it's something that you know, we're seeing gains. A lot of very specific companies are gaining um, a lot faster than the, the average, but, you know, 19.9% isn't enough. So we've got a, got a ton of opportunity there. We certainly do. Thank you, Janice. Wish we had more time for that one. I'm going to circle back to Shannon. Shannon, I can give you, well, we've got four, three and a half minutes left to the end of the show. Shannon, 30 seconds predictions. We're now in the official crystal ball predictions round. What will change about this topic? At, let's, let's focus on 2020 just to make it easy. It's about, oh, three and a half years away. So Shannon Platts at SAP, why don't you tell us what will be different if we met again talking about developing executive diversity by 2023? 30 seconds, Shannon, please. Great. I, um, I think that one of the key things that will change is we're going to see a larger funnel of talent, uh, female talent, that's going to come into the workforce. We've been seeing this for a while. I think our challenge is going to be, by 2020, really um, seeing that funnel stay strong throughout um, the the time frame. We want that funnel to build and grow those those female executives over time. We're going to have millennials like Maria who will be taking on first-line leadership, second-line leadership types of roles in the next three to four years, and we need that uh, to occur. We're going to have more generations in this workforce by 2020 than we've ever had, more uh, diversity in the number of the age bandwidth we have. So we've got to take advantage of the strong women in each of those demographic bands and ensure that they are focusing in on leadership. I predict by 2020 we're really going to see 
I think, not just female diversity um, at the upper uh, levels, but I think we're also going to see ethnic diversity, and I, I welcome that. I laud that. Where those things can cross, where we have female and ethnic diversity, even more powerful because we're getting so so many different perspectives at the table. I don't think Shannon, we'll Shannon, get Shannon, to I, my dear, I, I need to stop you. We're literally no, no, no. out of time. It's okay. I need to get Maria Hagen's predictions. Maria, give me uh, two sentences, please, and then Janice, two sentences. We are literally yes. at the end of the show. Um, I'm so, so yes, sorry. Bonnie, basically, um, for 2020, I believe just the same as Shannon. I believe that there's more women and more young women graduating and having a bachelor's and a master's degree um, than there were before. Um, there's going to be a lot more women that are going to be willing to take risks and to come out of their comfort zone and come out of that autopilot and really um, make their priority to become a leader. Um, that's something that's happening in most companies. Um, just for, for example, now um, the SAP Sales Academy is one thing. There are many other companies that have academies just like this one that are developing not only women but also just young professionals um, and leadership groups within this. Um, so, yeah, I think that's something that is going to be high, high within the next years. Thank you, Maria. Janice, two sentences fast. Go ahead. <laughs> My children will be coming into the workforce having known politicians and leaders who are black, who are transgender, who are out, who are women. It's going to be better. It's going to be what they know, and it's going to be the norm. And I've got, I've got high aspirations for 2020 and the future. Wow, that's some reality check. You certainly packed a punch there, Janice Fratomico, and a shout-out to Kelly. Thank you again. I'm Bonnie <laughs> D. Graham. Shout-out to Justin and the Business Channel team for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I am Bonnie D. Graham. I plan to be Bonnie D. Graham at 2 p.m. this afternoon when I return here to the Business Channel with a live edition of Changing the Game with HR, talking about winning the talent war with the candidate experience. I'll just leave that one on the table till then. So here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to The Future of Business with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. And please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.